There are few things that make people successful. Taking a step forward to change their lives is one successful trait, but it takes some time to get there. How do you move forward to greet the success that awaits you? Welcome to Next Steps Forward with host Chris Meek. Each week, Chris brings on another guest who has successfully taken the next steps forward. Now, here is Chris Meek. Welcome to this week's edition of Next Steps Forward. I'm your host, Chris Meek. As always, it's great to have you with us again. Today's guests are Jason Lachance and Mike Inaraki, two Californians who host the podcast, Knocking Doors Down. Jason Lachance has a 20-year background in radio broadcasting, but his family history of addiction created patterns that led him to falling into the same trap of addictions. From a family history of mental health issues, Mike Inaraki has used the Knocking Doors Down platform to embrace his anxiety and depression, to speak with others, and to help break the stigma around mental health. Mikey and Jason, Welcome to Next Steps Forward. Hey, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Good seeing you again. Likewise. Before we start, I have to you know, make two comments here. First, when we logged in before the show, for those of you watching us on YouTube, uh, I made a comment about your podcast platform. And so <laughs> you guys are pretty high tech, a lot more professional looking than I am. So yes, I'm a little bit uh, jealous about that. <laughs> uh, but also, you know, whenever I have somebody from the media on or other podcast hosts, uh, you know, we talked the other day and you try and learn from each other and pick things up that didn't work or do things that didn't work. And I was laughing because when the intro music started, like clockwork, all three of us literally at the same time <laughs> picked up our cup of coffee to get our last swig in before we started the conversation. So I guess that's uh, something we all do. <laughs> yes. I, Mikey even got a little dance on that. Kind of a nice. <laughs> that was a hell nice of an little, intro. I like yeah. it. Good music. I love it. I love it. Yeah, had a good um, So Jason, Share your story with our audience and when you began to recognize you had to do something and start to take on your addictions. Sure. Uh, how far do you want me to go back? As far as you want to. Okay. How yeah, long is the episode? Minutes. <laughs> yeah, minutes. Right? I don't want to take it over. Give, give Mikey a little time. Too. Right. I'll need to lay on the couch here. Um, yeah. Background uh, of addiction, both sides of my parents' family, uh, you know, alcohol, drugs, um, sex, but uh, you name it, there's been a, an addiction of sorts to something. Um, and then, of course, my father who struggled uh, with uh, some of those areas, um, uh, addiction, primarily uh, methamphetamines, was in the trucking industry all my life. And, um, you know, as a kid, just exposed to a lot of things, sexual abuse, unfortunately, uh, uh, pornography at a very, very early age is, is kind of rampant around my dad's workshop and things like that. And as I kind of developed through through life, I seem to go through relationships pretty quickly, uh, you know, always, always wanting, you know, love. And uh, um, my kid's mom and I, um, unfortunately, uh, led to divorce. And, and it was after my divorce that uh, I really started to take a look at and um, deal, deal with my alcoholism. I, I, you know, it was the first time I really accepted that, you know, it was a huge part of my destruction of the relationship and I needed to be there for my kids. And, you know, unfortunately I've had some subsequent relapses over the last six and a half years with it, but uh, we're doing over a year now and, and, and doing well. And uh, yeah, that's kind of the shortest version I can give you. No, thank you. Yeah. Mikey, over to you. Same question. Um, you know, I, I had recently just found out within probably about a year ago that my grandma was on volume her entire life and uh, my mom. So pretty much I get it all from my mother's side because my father's side has no idea what anxiety is. <laughs> so I pretty much had that my entire life, but it didn't really hit me hard until the cocaine came into play. 
because I thought I was ODing. I thought I had done too much when really it was just a panic attack. So, you know, 45 minutes go by and I'm still alive. And uh, I was talking to my mom about what I was feeling, of course, left out the Coke part. And she was like, oh, sweetheart, you have anxiety, runs in the family. And I'm, I didn't know what was going on. I just had a weird feeling. I thought I was going to die. And um, it happened multiple times hundreds of times actually. But um, yeah, turns out that's what it is. And uh, we're here to bring awareness to it. Let you know you are not alone. Exactly. You know, we've talked on the show many times before I mentioned the other day, it's okay to not be okay is a very common phrase and theme in today's, you know, COVID and Delta variant environment. And so I appreciate all the work that you guys do and bringing it out and sharing your personal stories, because obviously that just allows others out there to relate when it's something that's personal and not just reading off a script or notes. Yeah. And Mikey, you just mentioned about, you know, your father's side of the family, not knowing what anxiety is. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that about men and mental health later on, but that was a great, yeah. uh, great oh, segue. suck it up. You're fine. Oh yeah. <laughs> Rub some dirt on it, right? Rub some dirt yeah. on it. That's what I was Yeah. <laughs> so you've both had a number of guests with different addictions. Is one addiction the same as the next or are there differences that you've noticed as you talk to your podcast guests? I would have to say, from my perspective, alcoholism um, seems to vary from drug addiction, especially after speaking with some experts in the field that it, it almost seems uh, alcoholism, you are more prone to it. Um, I don't recall anyone that, that was an alcoholic that we spoke to that just kind of didn't have a, some sort of trauma background or something like that, and then just kind of fell into it through, throughout life. It, it seems to really be more trauma-based, whereas we have had people, opioids primarily that I can think of, Mikey, tell me if I'm wrong, that, uh, you know, an injury re- occurred or, or something along those lines, and, and they ended up getting hooked. Um, do you recollect anything different? It's a lot of, it's a lot of injuries. You know, you, you break something or you rupture something, you get prescribed Vicodin, you take more than the uh, you know, prescribed dosage, and all of a sudden the Vicodin turns to Oxycontin, the Oxycontin turns to needles. Um, in very few cases, such as mine, it just it's brought on. You just do it. You know, you have the best parents in the world. You are, you know, you just happen to fall into it, happen to like it, and run from there. So, I mean, yeah, with maybe like one or two, but like the rest of them, it's pretty. Yeah, it's all trauma based. Trauma based for sure. You know, it's interesting you talk about opioids, and we've talked about that off and on throughout the show of the last year. And when we spoke today, I mentioned that you know a lot of my shows early on were in the military and veteran space, just given the nonprofit right. work that I do. Mm-hmm. And you hear so much about active duty and veterans talking about, for your, your point, Mikey, you got injured in Iraq, Afghanistan, and training camp, whatever. Yeah. You, go to, you go to the VA, you go see your doc, and they just throw pills at you. Yep. And I mean, the opioid epidemic is running rampant now. Yeah. And I don't know what to do about it, but, you know, again, appreciate the work that you're doing just to talk about it, get it out there, make people realize, stop, you know, they're pushing pills on you. That's not the solution. Yeah. Yeah. We had a friend, a personal friend of of mine that uh, Mike became friends with uh, Marine Corps, the trauma from being over there, the PTSD. Uh, Luckily, he was able to eventually remove himself from it, but, you know, he still suffers from it greatly, but I know that's not a common case. And, and I, with, with anger, I think that is the most unserved part of our population right now struggling with, with mental health and addiction, and we're seeing the suicide rate 
and the effect it's having on families when soldiers are returning from war. And um, it's beyond heartbreaking because they are, like you said, you go in, uh, I, I've got pain or I can't sleep or whatever it is. And this is just a solution. They write something, here you go. And there's, you know, there's not neurological tests done. They're, you know, they're not doing full workups and seeing what's going on, let alone getting them into any kind of therapy groups or anything like that. And it's, uh, it's heartbreaking and, and, it makes me pretty angry, really. It's pretty much just pushing pills to get you the hell out of there because these doctor's offices are so overwhelmed and so flooded with people. What do you feel? There's Vicodin. What do you feel? There's a couple oxys. Okay, good. You'll be good. It's like you're putting a Band-Aid on a you know, bullet wound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's more damage that needs to be dealt with rather than just a temporary fix. Yeah. And to that point, you know, in terms of the veteran space, you know, the number of emails I've received over the last couple of days, as we've seen the U.S. troops officially withdraw from Afghanistan yeah. and really just see the clock turn back 20, if not 30 or 40 years over there, you know, they're saying, what did I leave on the field over there? You know, why did I leave part of me? You know, and so they're going to need our help more than ever now. But also, yeah. you know, we're hitting 2.0 of COVID-19 with the Delta yeah. variant. I saw a doctor yesterday was talking about the Lambda variant, which I hadn't even heard of yet. That's in South America. What is it? The Lambda, Lambda. variant. And so apparently right now it's in Peru and, and really has run rampant through um, Lima and it's several strains worse than Delta. And so that's something that, you know, I think we have to be prepared for, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Awesome. So let's flip on to the happy songs here and, and yeah. dancing a little bit more. Let's do it. So whether it's in your own lives, relating with people you know, or again, from something you've learned from your guests, what advice do you have for people living with someone with an addiction? You want to go first? Let, no. <laughs> living with someone with addiction, uh, what advice would I, I'll go first, it's fine. I think you have to understand and, um, you know, having dealt with it and, and, you know, even after my divorce, going through a long-term relationship that ended because I wasn't getting clean is that even though it's the same person, the same body, and the addict has to own their actions, the addiction has taken control. And that person that you know, that you love, that completely disappears, becomes something totally different, um, unreasonable, uh, that you're just unable to deal with. The person inside isn't gone. And I would have to say, believe and have hope that they're can get the help that they need because I've seen so many life-changing things. Uh, you know, I've seen, mm -hmm. seen my life change. I've seen people, you know, in the total brink, we've had people on that are, you know, using gutter water or to uh, water out of a porta potty to shoot up heroin. And now they're thriving. They have families, they're contributing positive to society. And, and really it is such an illness. Some people call it a disease. I, I kind of, fall in line with that. And it really is because if it, if it wasn't a disease, we wouldn't ask for this thing. No one, no one is a kid that has dreams and aspirations and goes, you know, when I get older, I'm hoping I'm hooked on some substance or some action or whatever it is. And just know that they're that good person that maybe you fell in love with. It's still in there and there is a way out and just, you know, I, it's hard to say, hey, be supportive because some situations maybe, the, you know, they're done. And for your own well-being, you kind of have to remove yourself. But help happens. Recovery happens and lives do turn around. My thing as far as, you know, living with somebody or just having a close friend or relative is, yeah, have hope, hope for the best, you know, pray for them, 
all of that. But as far as taking action, I think this is why I connected so well with one of our past guests, Dr. Rob Kelly. Mm -hmm. He was like a um, get better or don't. If you don't get better, you're just going to die. So it's on you. So it's kind of like the tough love thing. I had somebody very close to me just uh, is going. Actually, I believe she's a few months clean now on cocaine and she was reaching out to help. I said, look, who else is there to talk to? She goes, well, it's just you. I said, and it'll always be me. I'll always be here unless you continue to use because you've brought this up to me millions of times. I've given you hundreds of resources. I've offered you this. I've offered you that. It's really up to you now if you want to get clean. I will not enable you. I'm not going to tell you it's okay. Everything's going to be fine because it won't be if you continue to keep doing this crap. So my, my way of going at it is the tough love approach It's like, I'm not always, if you continue to keep doing this to yourself after I've given you all the resources, I've given you numbers here, you have options to go here and you're just not doing it, then you're making this, you're making the decision to not get clean. And you're the one who has to want to do it. I want you to get clean, but it doesn't matter what I want. It's what you want. It's how you're going to go about taking care of yourself. And if you're not going to take care of yourself, then no one else will. So you know, tough love is kind of my approach and not enabling them because enabling them would be like, okay, well, here's some money for food. Go buy food. Don't go buy anything else. Like, no, hell no, I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> if you're hungry, I'll take you to lunch, but I'm not going to give you any money. Yeah. So Jason, we mentioned at the top of the show that you came from a family of addiction and patterns were set very early that caused you to fall prey to addiction. I think people who don't understand addiction, who have never been around people with addictions or even looked down on people with addictions think we all make our own decisions, everyone has free will, and we're all responsible for our own choices. For someone with that mindset, could you walk them through those patterns and how they do affect children? Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, I was one of those people, you know, people go, oh, did you start drinking when you were a teenager? No, not really until my mid-20s did it kind of take off. Um, but the patterns were, were set. The patterns were set. Uh, maybe I'm just a, a late bloomer. Uh, I think that's probably part of the case just with me and life in general. Um, but these, you know, the things that are going on, sometimes they don't come to maturation until much later in life. You know, our brains don't really mature until about 24, 25, as is anyways. And so I think that uh, people need to understand that, you know, hey, if it's, it, 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 I didn't see my dad actively use, but I did see him high. And I did see him coming down and I did have the things that I was exposed to, but they didn't really take hold because I didn't question or have an understanding of it. And so know that if, uh, you know, this is someone that's watching, uh, you know, maybe it's somebody, you know, it's mental health. If it's, if it's addiction, which go hand in hand, that the things and the patterns that that children are seeing, it is going to greatly affect them later in life. And hopefully we can get to a point where, you know, youth is, has an avenue to talk more openly about these things and what's going on. I hope that shift is going, but people need to be aware, you know, parents, kids are watching, they're feeling, they're absorbing, you know, everything. And that's just the energy or whatever else it is. So you got to be very aware of what is going on around their lives. We hear it so much when talking about addiction, that it's almost a cliche. The first step to overcoming addiction is to recognize you have a problem. From your own experiences and the experiences your podcast guests have shared, how hard is it to recognize that you have a problem? And is the harder part recognizing that you have a problem or accepting that you have a problem? I think you got to recognize it first, because if you don't recognize the fact that you have a problem, you'll just be under the impression that you don't need to get help. 
So once you recognize you have a problem, then you accept it and then you seek help. But if you don't recognize the fact that there's a problem, then in your mind, there's nothing to fix. So that would be mine. Yeah, I definitely, uh, you know, fought it. I just figured, oh, well, I'm stressed coming the end of the week and I'm a binge drinker. Well, then once it started becoming, you know, I had to have three or four a night, then it was six, then it was a 12 pack. And, you know, then eventually when you start, uh, you know, missing work in my case or not getting my kids to school when I had them or whatever it is. And at that point it was, it was more of recognizing it, accepting it, and then feeling lost on how to reach out. You know, what were those resources? And thank goodness it's becoming more readily available for, you know, people to, you know, one of the good things, the pandemic was I was doing AA meetings on Zoom. There was no excuse to miss them anymore or to, to not make one at least once a week. And uh, so for me, it was definitely that acknowledging it and then recognizing what was triggering that continual use. And, it, it, you know, and so once I was able to do that, then I was able to ask for help in the way that I needed to. So I imagine it could depend on the addiction, but from your own experiences, what's the hardest part of overcoming addiction, the physical side or the mental emotional side? For myself, it'd be the mental part, because when you're not in your right mind, you don't really focus on anxiety. You know what I mean? When you're high or when you're just absolutely annihilated, your anxiety is not there, but it's there the next day. You know, because and a doctor explained it to me, you have these endorphins that are just pumping like crazy when you're high or intoxicated or whatever. And the next day when you're coming down, it's not pumping as fast, which causes the anxiety. So when you're under the influence of whatever, there's no anxiety. So you don't really worry about it. So my own personal opinion on it would be the mental aspect of it. I would have to say the mental because of all the damage that I did. I had to do a lot of repair work, a lot of making amends to people. Um, and in doing that, I had to get in touch with some emotions that I hadn't felt stuffed away or the, you know, that, uh, that put some dirt on it mentality and just shove it aside. I had to start feeling the pain uh, of it all um, because really sober, I was living very numbly. I was very numb in a sober state. Then when I would drink, I would get either loving or depending on the person, they would get the angry, you know, a-hole Jason that came out. And so I had to really kind of go back to being able to learn new coping skills to deal with the emotional damage that I caused and feel that remorse, that regret. So I think, yes, the, the physical pain sucks. I fortunately, I didn't have any withdrawal, even for a heavy drinker. There was uh, definitely uh, one of my doctors was fearful that maybe seizures that happened to alcoholics and stuff like that. But I don't think, um, I don't think I was maybe at that point or just my body, my genetics. Luckily, I didn't have any of those after effects, uh, knock on wood, that I've still continued to get good bills of health. Um, but, you know, the mental and emotional toll, uh, it, it was tough. It's still tough. It's still tough to connect with people at times. Jason, how has music helped you in coping with your addictions? And Mikey, do you have something that is especially useful to you as a coping mechanism? Oh, well, yeah, I have, haven't worked in radio for a long time. And I really got in and around it uh, as a music lover. I've noticed um, that I don't listen to the same music I did when I was drinking, interestingly enough. 
Uh, I'm far more explorative uh, of music. Um, sometimes my kids will laugh at me, believe it or not. I love like 90s dance music. Uh, Prince is my all-time favorite musician. I'll put on EDM stuff, and then the next song, it'll be Gosh. hardcore metal where it's that, you know, heavy guttural stuff. So I'm kind of all over the place, as uh, this guy knows when, uh, when I get to pick the music when we're traveling for work. Makes me want to drive right off the road. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, how about you? Uh, so for me... If anybody knows me personally, I'm obsessed with my dog. I love my dog. And it's not in a, it's not one of those uh, emotional support animals. She's my emotional support animal. So I, I still battle anxiety every day. There hasn't been one day that has gone by in the past, I don't know, eight years or so where I haven't felt a little bit of anxiety. Jason's with me every day. He sees it. And um, I feel like my dog family and talking about it is my way of kind of coping with it. And it's almost, it's kind of selfish to say, because like, if I were to talk, for example, you, Chris, if you have anxiety and you and I are kind of talking about, well, I feel it with it, dude, me too. That relieves mine. You know, it's like, you're not alone. You're not unique. This is very common in we're guys, but it's okay to have anxiety. You know what I mean? And it's just, it was so not okay when I first realized what it was, you know, like I said, I've had it pretty much my entire life. I just didn't know what it was, but I addressed it or it was addressed to me probably like maybe 20 or 21. So, you know, with all that time going by, it's, you know, back then I thought something was wrong with me now. It's okay. Just anxiety. So I feel like Aside from my dog and family and, you know, this podcast, it's kind of just, it's your mind, it's talking to yourself like this is going to pass, just hang on, think about something else, you know, just kind of escaping your own mind, stay busy. Cheryl Burke said that, you know, she doesn't like to be alone with her thoughts. And I, I get that because you want to just, you know, distract yourself from it. So let's talk about Carlos. Hmm. Yeah. Car Carlos Vieira is someone who has been especially important to each of you. Would you guys share who Carlos is, how you met him, and what he's done for you? Yeah, so uh, Carlos Vieira is uh, the founder of uh, Knocking Doors Down, uh, his autobiography of the same title. Got to read the book to find out why. Yes, it does relate to a rap song. Um, he had a 13-year cocaine addiction and uh, has been sober over 14 years ago. Uh, him and I became friends uh, when he got sober. He started racing uh, short track stock cars, uh, something that he, he wanted to do as a kid. And, and so kind of he's one of those guys. It's like, you know, blanket, I'm going to go and do, do this. Uh, I don't care what anyone thinks. And uh, early on, he didn't really have a sponsor. You know, he, he was not good. Uh, I, I've, I've seen him destroy many a cars years ago. And uh, so he started a, a program and a, through a foundation of his own, the Carlos Vieira Foundation, the Race for Autism. And so when he started that, he actually came into our, our radio station to uh, advertise and talk about it. And him and I did an interview and we became buddies over the years. Um, and then, uh, you know, when he uh, realized he wanted to do this book, he wanted something more beyond his foundation, which uh, also has a program for mental health and a program called uh, Gloves Not Drugs that keeps kids off the streets, out of gangs, away from drugs, and involved in activities. Primarily, he's got several boxing gyms here in the Central Valley. So uh, he came to me after he decided he was going to write his book in, in classic Carlos fashion. Uh, 
Hey, you're always talking about these podcast things. Uh, I'm going to give you a call here in about 30 days. I got something cooking three hours later. Okay, I'm writing my book and I want a podcast. Do you think you could go out and talk about mental health and addiction? Uh, sure, you got it. So uh, in addition to being one of my biggest uh, supporters of my sobriety, um, you know, just an awesome, awesome guy doing so much here in our local community. So that's Carlos. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you our relationship with them. Uh, well, my relationship with them. I had been working for a company of his 5150 for, geez, maybe about eight years now. So um, I've, you know, I was hired and then, you know, I always heard of this Carlos Vieira. I knew he owned the whole thing. I just didn't know who he was. And then I met him on a Christmas party and him and his wife, Asia, are just the sweetest people ever. They, they welcome you like family. You know, I don't feel like I'm, I work for them. I feel like we're just a part of one big family. And um, yeah, I mean, the, ever, the rest is rock and roll history. You know, like we've just been, I, you know, I, I don't know how else to explain it. Like, it's really just like a giant family here. Yeah. <laughs> That's just how they treat you all. It's just very welcoming. And yeah, it's awesome. And concerning the podcast, it was right around when the pandemic started. Uh, there was a 5150 energy drink that Mikey worked for. Well, over his, he took a vacation right at the beginning. They shut down the energy drink. Well, and, because it was supposed to be a 14 day spread. Yeah. So I, took, I took, you know, yeah, I right. took some time off of work. Yeah. How's that on our calendar with those 14 days? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then when he came back from vacation, I was begging Carlos, like, you know, he went, who do you want? Well, Mikey and I had been friends prior. I said, give me Mikey. And, and really, since Mikey's come on board, I was about three, four episodes in is like, Oh, thank goodness, because uh, there's many a days that, that, like Mikey said, that I'm having the anxiety and he is my savior of it. It's like, dude, it's okay. You're, you're cool. Carl, Carlos called me. It's like, Mikey, yeah, we need you to work on the podcast. The energy drink's done. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> you, got <Who> <laughs> you, you got it, bro. And uh, I, I love it. You know, I couldn't have been happier with the decision him and uh, Jason made to bring me here. So, yeah, it's been great. And I'm laughing a little bit as well. When we spoke a few days ago, I also thought it was going to be about a 14-day thing. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, here we are 16 months later or whatever it is. And, and for our listeners, can you tell them where they can learn more about the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign? Sure. You can go to uh, carlosbierrafoundation.org. Um, it, uh, I know it's a little bit, uh, might be a name you're not familiar with, but trust me, you Google it, you're going to find it. And again, those, those great campaigns, there's the race for autism. They give scholarships to, to families here. And I mean, you know, kids that are nonverbal and these families that need help with their care, um, or other stuff. I mean, they even, you know, they'll go out and if the kid is into an iPad, use funds that are donated to go directly to that family, maybe, you know, learning tools and stuff along that line, as well as the uh, race to end the stigma, the mental health for scholarships for kids going off to college and things of that nature. So carlosfierrafoundation.org for all those programs. And it's really a great organization. Thank you. And we'll get that on our social media platforms as well, just to make it a little bit easier for the listeners and viewers to follow. We've been talking to Mike Nuraki and Jason Lachance, hosts of the Knocking Doors Down podcast. We'll be right back after a short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hear, just be you, a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show, hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Listening to Next Steps Forward. To reach Chris Meek or his guest on the show today, please call in to 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Or send an email to Chris at nextstepsforward.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back with Jason Lachance and Mike Inuraki hosts of the Knocking Doors Down podcast. Before we start the second half, I guess maybe I'd like to start the first half. I love how you guys come into the show with the music and a little extra dance in there. So I think going forward, it's going to be pre- prerequisite for the guests to do a dance. I'm jacked yeah. up on coffee we, right we now. We were folded. I love it. And Jason, when you and I spoke last week, we talked about uh, the 20 Tim minutes and our friend yeah. Tim in Boston. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you spoke with him, but the one thing he does with all of his guests now is he does paper, scissor, rock at the end. Yeah, I, I saw that. Oh, that was yeah. pretty funny. He beat me. I think he's beaten about guess. <laughs> it's funny he does that. I don't think I told him when I worked in a, a radio and we do like a, a live setup, that was my game. Like you wanted to win a prize or something was rock, paper, scissors. And people would get mad because I would I would kill him. I go, 
well, you know, I'm a rock star and I would keep doing rock and they would think that I wasn't going to keep doing rock. It's like, can, can somebody wake the hell up here? You know, <laughs> notice the pattern, you know. Now, what are the rules you play by? Is it one, two, three, shoot? Or do you go yes. one, two, three? I go one, two, I go one, two, three, shoot. Okay, I do too. Sorry, yeah. we got that cleared up. So now we'll be square. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So during the break, we were talking about the extraordinary lineup of guests you've had in a very short time period for your show. All people dealing with addictions or mental health challenges of some sort, some of them quite famous, as we mentioned. Who have been your favorite guests and why? Mikey, you first. Um, well, you know, I've had my favorite guests, Bam Margera. I grew up watching Bebel of Bam, Jackass, all that, and I skateboarded for 15 years. So I... Loved Bam. So he was great to have on um, Charlie Sheen. Enough said, you know, it's Charlie Sheen. He was awesome. And, you know, for being as uh, famous as he is, he was the most down to earth, just cool guy, easygoing, someone you'd be okay grabbing coffee with in the morning, like just wasn't arrogant at all, just a sweet guy. You know, we've had tons of great, like the nature boy, Ric Flair, all of them, you know, like it was just really good. But one of my favorite guests was um, I had mentioned before earlier in the episode was uh, Dr. Rob Kelly. He was just so, I don't know, man, like I'm not saying everybody else wasn't real, but he was just so real. And like the way we connected was just so like, we were just on the same wavelength, man. It, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but those being, you know, top off the top of my head favorite, but Dr. Rob Kelly was definitely up there as well. Yeah. You'd have to go back in our archives to check it out. But yeah, he's uh... Well, as a professional wrestling fan, since I was about four years old, uh, we had Kurt Angle on, which was cool not only to, you know, to speak to him, his career in professional wrestling, but an Olympic gold medalist, one with a broken freaking neck. Uh, Ric Flair, that was a couple of days before my 42nd birthday. So that was great. Charlie was a blast. Um, recently, uh, I used to be an avid watcher of Dancing with the Stars. I just don't watch TV as much. So when we had Cheryl Burke on, and she was just a blast. She came in <laughs> talking like a sailor, and this guy and I, we just hit it off with her right away. She She's was talking shit about my muscles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you watch their podcast, they've been giving a hard time about our Cheryl, our facial hair. <laughs> along with her co-host, A.J. McLean of uh, Backstreet Boys. Charlie was great. Um, uh, you know, I went to college for film and television, so being a fan of so much of the work that he's done, his father, his brother, um, that was a real blast. And he was just easily vulnerable, uh, you know, with things. And uh, I thought it was so cool to see a guy. He didn't have any ego. No, not at all. Not at all. Very um, humble guy. Um, easy to talk to, you know, confident in, in his ability as an actor um, and owned all of his shit. So like the things he did, he owned the things he didn't do. It's very much like, yeah, I didn't do that. And I, I'm not going to wear that. That's somebody else's damage. And so, you know, I think kind of seeing that for me was a little bit of a lesson as I continue to learn boundaries in my recovery, which is a big issue for me. Um, Charlie was great. I got another one. Yeah. Okay. So. Denise Richards. Ah. We had Denise Richards. And mind you, I'm sitting next to, you know, Jason sits where he sits when we interview. And then it's me. And then I sit next to the guest. And I, Denise, would, she was just talking about my tattoos. And she was just like inch closer. And I'm just like, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> so, she did rub your arm. Yeah, I don't understand yeah. why. And yeah. I'm just like, uh, hi, hi, <laughs> hi Denise. Hi. Uh, but yeah, no, they're all Kelly Osborne, sweetheart, you know. Yeah. You're not sure how these people are going to be 
when you, you know, first talk to them because, you know, they're very famous. They're all over TV, you know, all that stuff. But when you talk to them and they're just so down to earth and cool and it's just, it's, it's, it's just good to see that, you know, yeah. really is. But yeah, so, those are a small list of our favorites. Small list. Nice, nice yeah. name dropping there. I'm a little jealous. Not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you've had some great guests. Come on. No, yeah, we're jealous you. of yours too. We've, well, I've got you guys on too, just down to the list. So that's, you know, another feather in my cap. That's right. Hey, they might as well stop now. No more shows. I mean, it's no way to go down from here. <laughs> so you mentioned Charlie Sheen having on knocking doors down, not once, but twice. Mm-hmm. In the second installment, he discussed his HIV diagnosis and sobriety. He also talked about being the best dad you can be. A lot of people, especially those battling addictions, just simply avoid talking to their kids about embarrassing or difficult topics. Did you gain any insights into how someone with such a high profile who has been involved in drugs, prostitution, and addiction was able to open up to his children and you know show how he could be a better parent? Yeah. Um... I'm not the interesting part. The interesting part was that also having Denise on right around the same time. And when she came to talk to us, just, Oh, Charlie said, I was going to love you guys was hearing them both talk about um, not making it the kid's problem, you know, the divorce and stuff like that. Obviously Denise had to take custody of their daughters at one point. Um, but I, what I took away was openly speaking about it with them, which I have done. Um, I commend my ex-wife as well for any things that she's been through is that, uh, you know, our kids are teenagers now or on the verge. Um, arming them with honesty because it's an excellent tool that will help them, you know, have boundaries, have defense mechanisms. And I kind of got that from Charlie, too, that he, that he spoke with uh, not just his daughters he had with Denise, but, you know, he's got uh, twin sons, if I remember correctly, with uh, uh, Brooke Mueller. And um, I think it being out there, there was nothing else to do for him other than to be honest with his daughters. So there was no embarrassment, no shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's things I tell my kids is don't ever be ashamed of my actions. They're mine. They got nothing to do with you. So that's kind of a takeaway that I got from it. And I'm just taking notes because, like I said, I don't have kids, so I wouldn't even know how to go about <laughs> but, like, but, uh, don't get tattoos. <laughs> look, look at me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just kind of like, I, you know, I'll just yeah. take notes from these guys now and save them for later. But commending you, Mikey is the Funkle. Uh, he's an amazing uncle. I am uh, a Funkle. He, and, <laughs> and really, he brings a lot. He, he undersells himself. He brings so much to his, his two nephews and nieces life that uh, of mentorship, uh, you know, so I really have to commend him on that because there's things that he tells me he does that I'm like, shit, I need to do that too. So don't sell yourself short there, no, pal. Thanks, buddy. I tr- I'll try. Are, are we allowed to say Funkel on air? Funkel. Oh, yeah. Oh, fun there's, uncle. There's a fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fun uncle. The fun uncle. Funkel. So we've talked about a lot of your guests. Gary Busey, a well-known actor who battled cocaine addiction and suffered a severe head trauma in a motorcycle crash, told you that his... Abusism for sober is son of a bitch. Everything's real. Mm-hmm. He says the best way to stay sober is to get out of your own way. How do you say someone can get out of their own way? Oof. It's a challenge. Uh, I think once you admit that you're powerless to your addiction and you ask for help, it's the first step in getting out of your own way. Um, and I think Mikey brought up uh, that advice that Cheryl Burke gave that I know I have to do, you know, anxiety um, and depression drove me to the drink. 
uh, ironically. And the irony of it is, guess what, folks? It makes anxiety and depression worse, especially when you come off a hangover. That's the crazy thing about that loop and cycle. Um, so I know for me, when I want to feel, um, you know, the anxiety kicks in or I'm starting to feel depressed, I have to get up. I have to get out of my own selfish headspace, be it if my kids are home, go spend some time with them or get out on my mountain bike or uh, annoyingly text this guy or whatever it is. Um, but I think that recognition of your addiction and asking for help is that first step in getting out of your own way and realizing you are powerless to this. And you are going to find a sense of community um, that is going to bring you some power back, some control back. And when you feel it kind of slipping, that you've got resources and people to reach out to. Ditto, A, because <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. But yes, as far as anxiety and recognizing you have, that's why I hate flying. And it's not because I'm afraid the plane's going to go down. It's just if I have an anxiety attack on an airplane, I have nowhere to go. I have nowhere to walk to. I can walk to the bathroom, but I know that I have to disturb five people going through the aisle and then that causes more anxiety. So like Jason just said, you know, it's get up, walk. What I like to do when I'm, you know, here is I'll get up, walk, splash some cold water in my face or something. And then just, you know, take a lap or something, just get your mind off of it. Just be able to escape where you're at right now. So I guess that'd be kind of getting out of your own way in a sense, sure. right? I think, it, yeah, and if you kick into those uh, anxiety, depression modes, you got to do some act, action to get out of it. You got to get busy that brain in some way, shape, or form, uh, you know. I mean, even his recommendation, like, hey, you used to love video games. I went out and bought, you know, racing games and the Lego, you know, games where you can, do, you know, Star Wars mainly or whatever it is. So little things that'll just take my mind out of that space uh, of, you know, for me, it's kind of a self-loathing feeling sorry for myself that drives depression. And then anxiety is the, you know, the questioning of, am I good enough dad? Is this podcast going to succeed? Uh, well, will I have a solid relationship, you know? So all those things. One of your guests talked about addiction to pornography, which was described as the addiction no one talks about. Why do you think that addiction is particularly difficult to talk about and what did you learn about getting people to open up when they're dealing with that problem? Uh, yeah, Joshua Shea, uh, great guy. Uh, it was really eye-opening. You know, I have to admit that I believe that that was, uh, you know, primarily my father's uh, biggest issue was surrounding sex and sexuality. And people, I think, uh, because I had a lot of pornography around the house as a kid, and it has been a thing that at points in my life I did not have a healthy relationship with, and, and it's just not a part of my life at all. And I think talking with him, you learn that it's not a sex thing, oddly enough. It, for him, he really spoke about the control that, uh, you know, <laughs> as he put it, if, if I want, you know, five women's two dogs and a guy with a pitching wedge, I, you know, I can Google that and I can find it. Whole it, website about it. Yeah. <laughs> is it <laughs> right? Exactly. I like stuffed buffaloes, you know, and women dress like Pocahontas. What it, is that it's really kind of a control factor for him because he did go through sexual trauma in his teenage years. And so for him, the drinking and the the pornography went hand in hand and it was really that control factor uh, that is there. And, and, it, and it's really uh, eye-opening because, you know, we're all sexual beings from the time we were born. It's such an innate thing that we really kind of throw a lot of shame to. Um, so that was also eye-opening that, that, that he, uh, you know, hey, parents, if you're listening, 
most likely your children are going to gonna look at pornography and I guarantee they're going to end up eventually being sexually active. So best be proactive, talk about these things and make sure that they have healthy patterns. And if they notice that, uh, you know, hey, I'm, I'm consuming pornographic material at an alarming rate or it's occupying a vast majority of my day that, you know, getting that that help early on is is always the best prevention along with education so well not to mention yeah not to mention it's really it's a hell of a lot easier to get porn nowadays than it was back when sounds like i'm dating myself but back when i was a kid uh, but yeah i mean you had like i found a playboy and that was like gold you know what i mean i remember my mom had like a Marie Claire magazine or, or some some like just household magazine. I don't even remember what it was. And there was this one picture where this girl was wearing a very, very thin shirt and I almost could see something. And I I lived off that picture when I was a little kid. You know what I'm saying? Now parents give their kids phones because it's like, well, I need to know where they're at. I'm picking them up after soccer practice or I'm picking them up after this. So they have phone. And guess what? All you got to do is Google boob and bam, you're set. There it is right there. But I feel like it's the most going back to your question as far as why is it not talked about? I think it's just something like, I mean, everybody at right here that we're talking right now has seen porn. I'm going to take a shot in the dark and just assume that, you know what I mean? So it's kind of just, we all do it, but nobody really talks about it because it's just, I mean, I can't speak on behalf of anybody else. I'll just speak on behalf of me. Hey, it's nobody's damn business. What I'm looking up with porn, but it's just kind of like, I, I don't, it's just not talked about much. And to give you a specific reason, I don't know. I don't know why, but it's okay. I think it's that, that, that I don't know why that, you know, I but, think it's that discomfort parent to child. I mean, I know I oddly, I, I, you would think with all the stuff that was readily around when I was a child, never had a sex talk with my parents ever. So me either. I never got the sex talk either. Was that common? I, I think so. Our parents, there was a, we kind of come from, and I don't know about you, Chris, but we come from a different generation, a parent that the best term I, I, I heard it put, uh, this gentleman, Tony Hoffman, who was uh, on the show, one of our early guests was our parents were emotionally immature in so many areas. It was again, that, that rub it off, put some dirt on it, walk it off kind of mentality with your emotions. I, I my kids, their great grandparents are even alive. And when, you know, I was talking with the, their great grandmother about what we do, she was like, oh, wow, babe, because that stuff, that stuff you really just got to stuff down and put aside, you know, in her 90s. And it's like, yeah, that's healthy. No, <laughs> that is, that is, that's actually not what you want to do. Because when you do that, guess what? You end up like me drinking yourself to death for 15 years, you know? So I, I think it comes along with that. Um, and I think people need to be aware that it is really addictive, especially because guess what? If it's, if it's masturbation, it feels good. Uh, when we see sexual acts, it does release serotonin in our brains and stuff like that. But you can easily, much like any other drug, alcohol or whatever it is, start to deplete the way that your brain processes that and desensitize yourself. And the statistics are getting alarming for uh, young men and even women, not as high as men, but in their their late teens and 20s that are becoming sexually addicted to pornography and, um, you know, it's damaging relationships, it's damaging their sex life. 
uh, you know, you would, you know, we think things like impotency for, for men much older. No, it's happening now with as, as early as late teens where the stuff is greatly affecting the sensitivity of the, of the brain and what they think sexuality is. So it's, it can be a very dangerous road for sure. And just to clear it up too, I wasn't given the sex talk or whatever, but I'm not complaining about that. You know what I mean? I'm not like bashing the parent, my parents or anything. I, don't have kids. I'm also STD free. So whatever they did worked, you know, so it's, it's, it's okay. But it's just like Tony had said, you know, that it's just, that wasn't, it wasn't like they intentionally didn't talk to me about it because I was a neglected child. Like, no, it just wasn't brought up because that just wasn't their way of parenting. Nothing to complain about. That's just kind of how it was. Yeah. So Mikey, you've shared that talking about anxiety with some of your podcast guests can trigger your anxiety. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think you told me that you can manage your anxiety, but it's always there. Mm-hmm. What approaches have you tried to managing your, your anxiety and which ones work best for you? Well, I can tell you a new approach. Um, I forget what the link is called, but they don't pay us, so it's okay. I don't know. <laughs> they don't uh, pay you either. Yeah. So Cheryl uh, Burke was talking to me about this exact same thing. And she goes, well, have you tried meditation? And I'm like, no. I don't, I, I've tried it one time where it's like, you know, close your eyes, you're on the water, now feel the ocean breeze. I'm like, okay, no, can't do it, done. Because your really voice relaxed. is giving me anxiety. Your voice is giving me anxiety. Just stop it. And uh, she gave me, um, uh, she gave me her username and password for this deal. She goes, try this out, Mikey. Trust me, it works. So I'm on day two of that, and. It's a 20 day thing. So I guess we'll wait and see. I'm not saying it's not working. I'm just saying I have yet to see anything <laughs> different yet. But uh, like I, before that, man, it's just getting up and walking. That's it. But when I'm talking to a guest like this, say, for example, this isn't the case at all, but say I'm starting to feel anxiety with you and I feel it coming. I, um, I, I start to drink a lot more water, you know, kind of get, you know, sweaty or whatever, but I'll tell myself, I have to be here. I have to do this. Shut up back here. Shut up. I got to finish this, you know, and then I'll escape after that. So I feel like, is that not anxiety? It's I'm literally controlling it when to come and go. But when it comes like unexpectedly, I can't control that. And that's what sucks. So I don't even know if that answered your question, but this is just what goes in the head of Mikey. (laughs) That's perfect. Thank you. So you guys both look very healthy. What part of of nutrition, exercise, we just talked about spirituality or mindfulness. What do they play in terms of addiction recovery? Uh, for me, spirituality has become a big part of my life. I, I, I like that I can do a business with the God of my choosing, um, but it still allows me to connect with others that are maybe more stringent in their, you know, religious beliefs. Um, pray. I try to pray every morning and every night. Uh, gratitude is a huge focus of mine. Um, one of the things that I've tr- uh, aim to dedicate myself to because I had a very bad relationship with food throughout my addiction is much more clean, healthy meals, you know, teaching my kids to to cook. So it, it's, it's a big part of it. Actually, Mikey kind of inspired me with that. And he's, you know, I won't, sorry to step in a little bit, but good exercise routine. So I've been trying to adopt some of the things that really worked for him that, uh, you know, by the grace of our friendship and this partnership and this thing that that's really helped me. I'm trying to get rid of this dad bod, Chris. So what I'm doing is, uh, but I'm not a dad, but it's still a dad bod. So what I do, you know, I try to have a lot of protein because I don't eat meat. 
but I do eat fish, so I'm pescatarian. So I'll do, you know, a lot of protein shakes, a lot of fish, uh, you know, brown rice, eggs, stuff like that. And uh, I try to work out at least five days a week. If it's not lifting or something, it's at least just sweating. And I, that actually helps with my anxiety as well, feeling productive, feeling like I did something aside from, you know, the work day, something else like, okay, what else do you do besides work? So that definitely helps as well. And um, yeah, you feel accomplished after you're just covered in sweat. So on top of eating somewhat okay, minus Sundays, because Sundays <laughs> just pig out. Well, football's coming football, up. Well, exactly. yeah, football. Yeah. Go Niners, by the way. My, my son and told me today, he's like, Dad, we got 11 days till college football kicks off. Like, how excited? Like, All right, we're getting excited now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm it's with that you. time. It's that time. So how can Next Steps Forward fans, obviously connoisseurs of fine podcasts that they are, find your podcast and tune in and how they how can they connect with both of you? Sure. Uh, the easiest way to find us is kddpodcast.com. Or if you Google knocking doors down podcast, make sure you put in podcast in there. Cause if you just put knocking doors down, you're going to get a rap song. Um, but uh, you, and we're all over social media, Facebook and Instagram is knocking doors down. And uh, Twitter is at KDD media company. Um, Mikey, handles a lot of the direct messages as do i so if you want to talk to one of us both of us or just uh general questions that's a great way through there or even through the website again kddpodcast.com and the podcast if you can find a platform that we're not on as far as audio podcast i'd be amazed and uh also of course uh, full videos on youtube with uh, the vast majority of our guests especially the celebrity ones you'll see full videos there so and that's how I got a hold of you both. So they are responsive to email. So thank you for that. And with, yes, about, a, with about a minute left, what's your favorite podcast? This one. Ah, I'm not paying <laughs> right, here. Right, right here, right, hanging right. out with you. Yeah. Uh, as right. far as one we listen to or one that we've been on you or a guest? One that, a guest. Um, boy, the next one. Fair enough. The next one. Got to keep them All going. Right. All right. Agreed. Mikey Naraki and Jason Lachance, host of the Knocking Doors Down podcast. Thank you both so much for being with us today. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you, good sir. And as always, thank you to our wonderful audience for tuning in to Next Steps Forward. I'm Chris Meek. For more details about upcoming shows and guests, please follow me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Chris Meek public figure and on Twitter at Chris Meek underscore USA. We'll be back next Tuesday, same time, same place with another leader from the world of business, politics, public policy, sports, or entertainment. Until then, stay safe and keep taking your next steps forward. Thanks for tuning in to Next Steps Forward. Be sure to join Chris Meek for another great show next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, make things happen in your life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio.